So we are in week like one million or something of a series called Giants Will Fall because in all of our lives, there are things that can take us down. There's stuff in our lives that can absolutely ruin us. And I think today, more than anything else, uh, we're talking about the one thing that's the most prevalent in our hearts and lives, it's most prevalent in our society, that's like baked into the cake, baked into the DNA of what it is uh, to live in America in 2022. This is who we are from the outset, and that's the whole thing of pride and arrogance. All right, it's pride and arrogance. We saw this on display, like for the last two years. It's do this, it's do that, it's distance here, it's do this. Like this thing is now on Zoom, all this stuff. And the international uproar and upheaval that led from people being told what to do. Who cares if it's right or wrong? All of us, and like in some sense, for all of us, we probably punched our punch card of responding wrongly at least once over the last two years. And part of that reason is, is because nobody tells us what to do. So it's one thing when you're trying to clean up your front yard of your car or your apartment or your house or whatever, but when that gets into our spiritual lives and no one can tell you and me what to do, that begins to present an issue and to present a problem. So we're talking about the giant of pride and arrogance in all of our lives, all right? This is the type of thing that can either propel us and, and lead us into a long blessing-filled, that's a word now, life with Jesus, or cut off everything good. Because that's how pride works in our lives, is it convinces us that we are always right, regardless of the situation. If you don't believe me, watch the first episode every season of American Idol. There's tons of people who think that they can sing, and the, the audio proves very much otherwise. There are areas in all of our lives where that's us. But the thing is, and we're going to look at this in a story today, is we're not all the way there all the time. Because you're a civilized bunch, this is great. Uh, like we've got areas where we are totally proud sometimes, and there's also areas where we're humble, where we do the right thing. In the best way possible, we're kind of a mess on this. Sometimes it's awesome, sometimes it's terrible. We're gonna, work, we're gonna look at a story where the main character is sometimes doing the right thing and sometimes doing the wrong thing. And it changes verse by verse. It's not just a simple, be like this guy, don't be like this guy, story in the Bible. Like it, it changes sentence by sentence, just like us. So Monday, Anna and I were having lunch with some friends of ours. This, this is a great story. Um, and the guy who we were eating lunch with is basically the opposite of me. He loves to read. He is very indoorsy. And he talks slow. So he's like the <laughs> great friend. We, we, like you take pictures and you got the negative and stuff. This is my negative. We're great friends. And I think some of the reason why we're really good friends is because we have no area of stepping on each other's toes. It's like he's over there and I'm here. We've been friends for decades. So Anna's telling him the other day, he's like, hey, you need to be more like Ken. And my name's Ken. So I'm like, Ken, that's a great story. <laughs> Sunday afternoon, like Sundays start early for me. Sunday afternoon, he came home and he worked in the backyard. And then he did laundry. And then he did the dishes. And then he sat down next to me on the couch and he rubbed my feet. Now, here's the truth. All of those things have happened on a Sunday. 
Not all of them happened last Sunday. You know what happened last Sunday? I didn't sleep well Saturday night. I came home, I collapsed on the couch, and I started rubbing her feet and then fell asleep mid-rub. Like, it just foots in my lap, hands around the feet, and like, mouth, ah. Like, <laughs> there was no backyard work. I don't think I did. We didn't do the dishes until like, like nighttime that time. And there was definitely no laundry happening. But it didn't make the story. So I don't care. Like, I look like a stinking, like, Michael Jordan of husband life right there. Now, before you think, wow, this guy's just going to brag about himself for the whole time, this fits into the story. Because out of all 8 billion people on planet Earth, name the one person whose pride and arrogance has brought more pain to Anna's life than any other person over the last 20 years. Right? Because we're a mess. Because we're mixed. Sometimes everything is great, and other times, like, nobody wants to be near us because we're being that version of ourselves that day. We're a mess. And what Jesus wants to call, call us to today is one more step of humility. Is wherever you are, if you're a follower of Jesus or not, what he's calling us to do today is to say no to pride, no to arrogance, and yes to humility. Humility is where we find Jesus. It's where we, we meet God's power and God's action in our lives. And we're going to see that in a story today. We're going to be in 2 Kings chapter 5. So 2 Kings is like the ninth or something book in the Bible. And what's happened up to this point is God's people have gone from slaves in Egypt. God sent Moses, the whole let my people go thing. They're going, they're, they're living in the promised land. They decide we want a king. And so God leads them to, to appoint a series of kings. And it starts really bad. And then it gets good. And it's good for like two generations, and then it goes bad again. And we're in one of those seasons where things are bad. But along with the kings on one side, God has raised up a group of prophets on the other side who are kind of the microphone for God. So when the king is bad, the prophet is going to say, hey, this is how God wants you to live. And so we're going to meet one of the prophets. But before we meet the prophet, we're going to meet a guy named Naaman. All right, Naaman, we're going to read about him right away in verse 1. Uh, this is 2 Kings chapter 5. Verse 1, it says this, the king of Aram had great admiration for Naaman, the commander of his army, because through him the Lord had given Aram great victories. But though Naaman was a mighty warrior, he suffered from leprosy. At this time, Aramean raiders had invaded the land of Israel, and among their captives was a young girl who had been given to Naaman's wife as a maid. One day, the girl said to her mistress, I wish my master would go to see the prophet in Samaria. He would heal him of his leprosy. So Naaman told the king what the young girl from Israel had said. Go and visit the prophet, the king of Aram told him. I will send a letter of introduction for you to take to the king of Israel. So right there, I, like, this is humility in action because this is listening down the chain of command. Right? It says that, that Naaman, the warrior, the commander, the, the boss of the military guy, said to the king what the servant girl told him. Like, this doesn't make any sense. This is the lowest part of society of a conquered nation. All right, so last Sunday, if you're a football person, you watched the 49ers absolutely take apart the L.A. Rams, right? There, there was, it was a bloodbath. It was bad. And if you wear red and gold, like, you're really excited about where this is going. What is happening right here is basically Christian McCaffrey asking the guy who got cut from the Rams, hey, what should I do? 
and then going and telling that to the general manager. Like, none of this makes any sense except for the fact that Naaman's desperate. There's areas in all of our lives where we have a desperate need for healing. And when we actually get desperate, we don't care what it's going to take. Because we want God to heal us. Because we want God to put relationships back together. Because we're asking God to heal our physical bodies. And at that point, we're open for anything. Desperation drives us toward humility. And so that's what happens right away as Naaman shows his humility because he's listening down the chain of command. But you know, just like Naaman, we're, we're mixed also. Because the servant girl is saying, man, I wish Naaman would, and then she lists everything. For all of us, we have an area in our lives where people can look at us and say, I wish, insert your name here, would, and then rattle off our worst qualities. Humility drives us toward that. Pride says that's their problem. So Naaman first off shows his humility by listening down the chain of command. But, you know, he's mixed, and so next comes the pride. Verse 5, go visit the prophet, the king of Aaron told him. I will send a letter of introduction for you to take to the king of Israel. So Naaman started out carrying as gifts 750 pounds of silver, 150 pounds of gold, and 10 sets of clothing. The letter to the king of Israel said, with this letter, I present my servant Naaman. I want you to heal him of his leprosy. Pride in action puffs up before the healing. Uh, why, why, what's with the 10 sets of clothes? What's with the 750 pounds of gold and the 100, or of silver and 150 pounds of gold? Well, the first reason with the 10 set of clothes is because he brought his wife. Okay, that, that's why the 10 sets of clothes come in. I'm sure it's in the Hebrew somewhere, but, but the second reason is because, like, we all want to puff up around our area for healing, around our mess, and around our desperation. I remember my first night at recovery, and the leader sits down and asks you, okay, why are you here? And I had a really long reason of why I'm really a good person, but I just landed here because I think someone one time heard me yelling uh, at another coworker at church which is like wrong on 12 different levels, but maybe, you know, aside from that, I'm really a good person, is we want to puff up who we are and make ourselves look really, really good, which blurs the fact that all of us are desperate for healing, that we're desperate for God's activity in our life. We puff up before the healing because we want to blur the areas of our mess. It's part of the mix. And there's more pride in action. Let's go to verse 7. When the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes in dismay and said, Am I God that I can give life and take it away? Why is this man asking me to heal someone with leprosy? I can see that he's just trying to pick a fight with me. This is two things. First thing is catastrophic thinking. It's this idea that whatever is happening is going to be bad, that there's no way to change it. It's just going to be awful all the time. It's catastrophic. For, for the king, he's proud and arrogant because humility treats people with respect. Like the king is sure that this is a setup, that somehow the king sent this leprosy-ridden commander into his place because this is somehow a trap. And it's arrogance because pride actually believes the best. Out, I mean, humility believes the best out of people. I, I'm going to look like an idiot for a number of things in my life. So I might as well just cast some of those chips in because I believe people, and they tell me that something is actually good in their life when it's bad. 
I'm not good at this. Like I leap to a disaster all the time. And some of that is, is pride. I blame way more than I ask questions. That's uh, because nothing can ever be my fault. And so the, this guy is in that situation. The king is acting and living in, proud, in pride because humility believes people. Like seriously, what if God listened to us like this? For those of you who pray, who are Jesus followers and, and, and you pray, I mean, imagine if God like answered back the way that we would answer back, not on a good day, on that day. God, please help me at work. Why? You hate work. Well, yeah, but why would I help you? You hate that place. Like I tell you to be salt and light, and you are not salt and not light. Like he doesn't do that to us. So if we're going to be like God, if we're going to be little Christs, if we're going to be Christians, then, then we live in humility and we believe the best out of people. Next thing is the hero complex. Like that's, that's pretty self-explanatory. And following Jesus means that we're absolutely not the heroes. Like what pride does, one, one guy who's been dead for centuries, he, he said that pride is the sin that is birthed, that, that births all other sin. Like it's pregnant with all other sin. It all starts with pride, and from that comes all sorts of bad ideas. And in our relationship with Jesus, what, the only thing that we bring in, the only thing that we contribute to our salvation is the sin that Jesus forgives to bring us into relationship with him. We cannot be the hero in a relationship with Jesus. So following Jesus and surrendering who we are to all of him means that we start at the bottom, not the bottom of acceptance, not the bottom of value, not the bottom of relationship, but the bottom between humility and pride. As we start as the most humble people and we stay there. Because the more we know Jesus, the more that we realize face-to-face, real life, that the only thing we bring into this relationship is the sin which Jesus forgives. It's the death of pride and the beginning of humility. And humility helps and forgives. Humble people help and forgive. Verse 8, but when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes in dismay, he sent this message to him. Hey, why are you so upset? Send Naaman to me and he will learn that there is a true prophet here in Israel. Like Elisha and the king at this point aren't friends. Elisha had been very black and white in some areas where the king was not following God. And so the king acted like the king and sent him away. He's like, I don't have to listen to you. I'm the king. You're gone. But Elisha hears that there's a problem. And so as a man of humility, he comes to help and forgive. Because that's what humility does in us. Humble people are helpful and forgiving like Jesus did this for us. There's a guy who hated Christians until the day he became one, which for some of you, like, immediately, you just found your person. He didn't stand, couldn't stand Christians, but loves Jesus. This is my person. And he says that while we were Jesus' enemies, he died for us. Not when we were good. Not when we had kind of fixed our stuff. Jesus died for us while we were enemies. He brought help. He brought forgiveness. He brought salvation to us when we least deserved it as an act of humility. And it continues in nine, more humility in action. So Naaman went, to, went with his horses and chariots, and he waited at the door of Elisha's house. Like, I love this. This is a great picture in my mind. And Naaman is a warrior. He's a commander. He's got people who could bash this door down. He's got all the tools. He's got all the know-how. All he has to do is say, get the door out of here. And it's gone. And you can go in and you can bring out Elisha, grab him by his shoulders, just carry him and say, okay, heal me now but he waits. 
Because patience is us telling God, I trust your timing. <laughs> might not be the way I would do it, which is fine, but I, I trust your timing. I learned this the opposite way because impatience is telling God, your timing is dumb, mine is better, let's go. This is 2019 for me like in a sentence because this place didn't look like this. That was a bathroom. That was a place where the last priest would get dressed and stuff in the lobby, which is really nice now, and, and that, uh, that was grass. Because I wanted this place to get fixed. And so what that meant was we waited for a year for permits, and then we waited a year for construction. And all along, I thought that the whole process somehow, because somebody told us, was going to take three months. So I'm like, sweet, why are we 21 months behind schedule? This is dumb. And God's like, no, this is the way that it should be. I'm going to grow patience in you one facility at a time. And for those of you who were with us in 18, 19, and 20 before we moved, imagine what it would be like to move in as we initially planned, and then three weeks later have to move outside. Like, that would have been brutal. That would have been really tough. But instead, God says, okay, first you're going to start on the parking lot, and you're going to experience hot church and cold church all in the same season. It's going to be, it's going to create so much joy in you that you get to be inside regardless of what the weather is. Humility in action is patience. It's the commander waiting at the door of the prophet, knowing that he could do whatever he wants, but if he's going to be healed, he can wait. And then there's pride. It comes back again. It's mixed, just like you and me. Verse 10, but Elisha sent a messenger out to Naaman with this message. Go and wash yourself seven times in the Jordan River. Then your skin will be restored and you will be healed of your leprosy. But Naaman became angry and stalked away. I thought he would certainly come out to meet me. He said, I expected him to wave his hand over the leprosy and call on the name of the Lord his God and heal me. Aren't the rivers of Damascus, the Abna, the Abna and the Farfar better than any of the rivers of Israel? Why shouldn't I wash in them and be healed? So Naaman turned and he went away in a rage. Like, this is pride because this is my answers in my way. And Elisha responds with the wrong person, with the wrong place, and the wrong thing. And Naaman isn't having any of it. Because it's too simple. Because it's not the way that he would do it. Jesus calls his followers to not get comfy and just make our lives better and put him on top. His invitation to you and me as we follow Jesus is to come and die to our way of doing everything. Pride in action insists on our way. And Jesus says to give everything up to him. The more that we hold on to, the less Jesus has to work in our own lives. And the final thing so often for so many of us who decide to follow Jesus, the final thing that dies is our pride. Because we've gotten used to and we've gotten really good at every area of our life being up to us. And everything going the way that we want it to go. And then Jesus comes in and says, I want to do all of this differently. I want to change all of this. And we're like, nope, skip, go to somebody else. Pride says my answer is my way. Humility is different. Verse 15, but the officers tried to reason with him and they said, sir, if the prophet had told you to do something very difficult, wouldn't you have done it? So you should certainly obey him when he says simply, go and wash and be cured. This is humility and inaction because no one is ever above or below an invitation. No one is ever above or below an invitation. All right, 
So next week, you've seen posters everywhere. We're going to talk about it, end of service announcements. Next week, we're doing a Thanksgiving feast. And it's not so that just us can have dinner together, can have Thanksgiving lunch together next Sunday. It is for people who live around here and people who live around you who know you but don't care about this place. It's for them to come. It's for people who are far from God, people who don't look like us, act like us, live like us, worship like us, don't spend Sundays like us. It's for them, and we're going to put it on. One thing that, that as Christians we need to continue to step into and continue to lean into or else so much of what has happened in us and through us is going to be wasted is we can never get tired of inviting and telling people who don't know about Jesus about Jesus. If that happens and we die and get put in the ground, the influence and the activity and the life-changing power of the church sits in our, ta- our caskets, our graves with us. But if we live our lives continuously inviting people into a relationship with Jesus, then we die and they continue to live. And then their kids continue to live. And then their kids continue to live. We have an opportunity as the world turns further and further away from God to invite people into a relationship with God. So Tuesday, uh, we've been here now for a long time and, and like next door in the shopping mall, like I haven't really done anything there. So Tuesday, I took a bunch of the door hangers and I went store to store and invited everyone there to come to Thanksgiving service with us. Uh, for the stores that are really ethnic and the people like English is not new to them, is, is new to them, like, hey, it's an American tradition. We'd love you to come have American lunch with us. Here's the information. And if you ever want to talk about Jesus, here's my business card. As you walk out, there are packs of door hangers for you to do that around your house. And if you're thinking, I live nowhere near here, right up there is a freeway, which makes Fresno really small because we are freeway close, which means we are 20 minutes from everything. And so there are people from all over the city who it makes sense for them to come to church here because they can get here quickly. As you leave, I want you to take one of those and wherever, take uh, one of the packets of door hangers and wherever you live, pass them out this week. That's what Micah and I did yesterday. We went uh, around our street and just invited my neighbors. I've got one neighbor who I really want to come. He worked in prisons for a really long time and so he says the best things. I love it. I hope you can meet him next week. Uh, But I show up at his house. He knows I'm a pastor. We've been through this song and dance many, many times. Uh, But I give him the flyer. I'm like, hey, next Sunday after church, we're going to have a meal. He's like, cool, what do you need? <laughs> you. I need you to show up. Well, who's providing the meal? My church, because they're amazing. But I want you to show up. I want you to bring your, ki- your wife, and I want you to bring your grandkids. Because our kids' church is great, so they can hang out over there, and you and your wife can sit here, and then afterwards we can all have lunch together. And I'm praying that he comes. And the best part with Micah is when there was one left, he'd got to decide who gets it and who has to wait till tomorrow. And I found out who his favorite neighbors are because they have a daughter who's cute and about a little bit younger than him, so he's excited. <laughs> but it's, we can never get tired of inviting people. Not everybody who responds, not everybody who we invite is going to respond the way we want it to, but if this dies with us, everything dies. The church has always been one generation away from extinction, and this is how we keep it alive and make sure that more people than us meet Jesus. No one is ever above or below an invitation. Story continues. So Naaman went down to the Jordan River, 
And he dipped himself seven times as the man of God had instructed him. And his skin became as healthy as the skin of a young child, and he was healed. It's humility and obedience because, or humility and action because it's obedience. Naaman joins his faith with God's power. It's faith plus participation equals the miraculous. It's obedience that brings in the blessing of Jesus. And it's obedience that says, okay, this is not how I would do it, but I'm going to follow you anyway. And in our lives, it might not be dipping yourself in a river on the other side of the world. Maybe it's saying yes to baptism. Maybe it's saying yes to tithing, even though that makes no sense to you. But God, who owns everything, says, I want you to do this. Maybe it's going home and not saying everything that's on the tip of your tongue. Maybe it's not elbowing your husband or wife next to you through the whole message about everything that they should do. That's why we're 10 feet apart, so I don't do that to Anna. It's obedience, which, joins, which brings in God's power in our life. And then 15, it ends like this. Then Naaman sent his entire, the Naaman and his entire party went back to find the man of God. They stood before him and Naaman said, now I know that there is no God in all the world except in Israel. So please accept a gift from your servant. So Elisha replied, as surely as the Lord lives whom I serve, I will not accept any gifts. And though Naaman urged him to take the gifts, Elijah refused. Then Naaman said, all right, but please allow me to load two of my mules with earth from this place, and I will take it back home with me. From now on, I will never again offer burnt offerings or sacrifices to any other God except the Lord. However, may the Lord pardon me in this one thing. When my master, the king, goes into the temple of the god Rimnon to worship there and leans on my arm, may the Lord pardon me when I bow to you. Go in peace, Elisha said. So Naaman started home again. It's humility and action because from Naaman flow worship, generosity, and peace. And that's not the mark of pride. That's not the mark of arrogance in our lives because arrogant people worship themselves. They don't worship God. Arrogant people say every reason not to be generous but to hoard and continue to have. Arrogant people see no reason for internal peace because they're always needing to get what's next and what's theirs. But humble people do. And God works this in Naaman's life. And so the reality for you and for me is we get to choose today. We get to choose to continue to live our lives in pride and arrogance or to live them in chosen humility to God. Because either we choose or it gets chosen for us. The same guy who hated Christians until he became one, he says this about Jesus in Philippians 2. It says, you must have the same attitude that Christ had, Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Church, it's up to us. God loves us enough to choose, to let us choose. If you wanted robots, he would make the decision for us, but he wants followers. And he lets us choose. Are we going to let pride and arrogance run our life, or are we going to cho let to choose humility? So what's next for us? How do we apply this? I was thinking about this this week, and my mind went to, what would I say to the most messed up person 
who drags themselves in here and says, I want to follow Jesus. I want to get stuff right. What do I do? And it's the same thing for us. And if you think, well, that's not me, let's just rewind and start over from verse one. Hi, my name is Ken. I'm the campus pastor. No, we're not going to do that. But what would that apply to us? The first thing is read your Bible. This is God's word to us that soaks us in humility daily because we don't measure up to the good people in here and we will never measure up to Jesus. And God said, I don't want you to. I want you to follow me. If you don't read, if reading is hard for you, you don't get an out in this. Download a Bible that'll talk to you. If you're interested in that, talk to me afterwards. I'll hook you up with an app. It's called Version that literally reads the Bible to us. Because God has stuff to say to us whether or not we can read. Second thing is come back. Like the more time we spend in a place like this or any Jesus-believing church, the more we get reminded of the fact that we aren't the hero. The only thing we bring into this isn't our effort, isn't trying to make stuff better. It's the fact that Jesus loves us enough to die for us. The only thing we contribute is the sin which Jesus dies. And the, the last thing is, is to find a place to serve. Find an area to lift up other people. And in that, God shows us his love. God uses us to demonstrate that to other people. We get to choose because God loves us enough for that. Let's stand and pray. God, I thank you that you're here. I thank you that you're alive, that you're good, that you're holy, that you came for us when we had nothing when we didn't deserve it, when we ill-deserved it, and you gave everything for us. God, I pray that as a church, we're going to be men and women who choose humility in everything daily. And that we surrender new areas of who we are to you this week, God. If you're here today and you've never made the decision to follow Jesus, I want to give you that chance today. You're not saying you're perfect. You're agreeing with every other Jesus follower in here down to the individual that we are all sinners in need of a Savior, and Jesus is our Savior. So if that's you, I'm going to count to three. And when I say three, if today's your day, I just want you to look at me and raise your hand. And as we close, someone's going to pray with you, and it'll be the best decision you could ever make. So one, God loves you. Always has, always will, and he's calling you today to follow him. Two, there's sin in all of our lives, mine included, and that's why Jesus came to pay the penalty for our sin and invite us into a relationship with God. And three, today's your day to say, that's me. Is there anyone like that where today's your day to say yes to Jesus? If that's you, just look at me and raise your hand. And as we close, someone's going to pray with you. It'll be the best decision you could ever make. All right, I see you where you are, and someone's going to pray with you after the service is over. So for the rest of us, this is our moment to respond to literally take a first step toward humility and saying, okay, God, I'm not, gonna, I'm not the boss anymore. I'm not the answer anymore. I'm not the hero anymore. You are. And so what I want you to do, and for some of you, this is really going to make you mad because you you're not this type of person, but you're choosing humility today. You're walking a new life today. Is to come up to the front. You can sit. You can stand. You can kneel. That doesn't matter. You're confirming with your feet what God's doing in your heart. That you're saying no to arrogance. You're saying yes to humility. I want you to come and here at the front, just say, okay, God, whatever that looks like this week, show me. I don't know, but I trust you. Show me what it looks like. Lead me in humility at home, at work, in my relationships, with my finances. Lead me in humility this week. Even if you hate it, even if you, I swear I'm never going to go front, today's the day.
Let's worship and respond.